Well, good morning, Tri-Valley. Would you stand up and sing these first two songs if you're able? If you're not, that's okay, too. Sing out. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. I have a living hope. I have a future. God has a plan for me. Of this I'm sure. Of this I'm sure. Jesus. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Your word is faithful, mighty in power. God will deliver me. Of this I'm sure, of this I'm sure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Amen. He was risen last week, and he gives us hope, and he's given us his word, and we're here to talk about that this morning from Exodus, and uh, be encouraged to continue to put our hope into him, because he is mighty. He is risen, right? Amen. Let's sing this next song, and then you can sit down. How about that? Mighty is our God, mighty is our King, mighty is our Lord, He's ruler of everything. Glory to our God, glory to our King, glory to our Lord, He's ruler of everything, His name is higher, higher than any other name. His power is greater, for He has created everything. And oh, mighty is our God, mighty is our King, mighty is our Lord. He's ruler of everything. Glory to our God, glory to our King, glory to our Lord. He's ruler of everything, he's ruler of everything, he's ruler of everything. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here today. We are glad you're here today. You can be seated in person and online. Thank you for worshiping today. It's a great day to worship the Lord. He is mighty. He rules everything. And his power is greater uh, and beyond our comprehension. So um, we are uh, blessed to be able to worship this God. He lets us wear his name um, to be Christ followers, Christians. And um, that is a privilege. Um, because some, uh, not sometimes, I know I don't live up to that all the time. So if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. Grateful that you're here. We'd like to know you're here. Um, sometimes we don't get to meet people. Uh, and so what we'd like to do is ask you to reach under a seat in front of you, pull out that card, write your name on it. You can put it in the offering box. You can give it to me. You can give it to Jacob. And, uh, we would like to meet you and, um, 
simultaneously mug you. What would you do if I didn't say that joke? We have a coffee mug that we would like to give you uh, for you visiting today. And so, um, I know, I appreciate the courtesy laughs. You guys are so nice to me. Um, there's three ways to give. Uh, you know, if you've been here a while, we don't pass the collection basket anymore. But there's an offering box in the back. You can mail it uh, to the church. Um, or you can donate online. Make an offering online. So those are three ways to do that. Uh, last week, um, we overlooked something, and we want to make sure that we do that this week. Um, we received a nice note from Rosemary. It says, thank you, uh, brothers and sisters, thank you for all your prayers, flowers, visits for me and my family. I love you all, Rosemary Hunt. So she's here today again, and uh, we got you covered, Rosemary. So uh, we're now going to have a scripture reading, and uh, open those ears. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Watch the waters part before us now. Come and see what he has done for us. Tell the world of his great love. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves. Let God arise. Let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. stand she will endure he holds the keys of life our lord death has no sting no final word our god is a god who saves our god is a god who saves let god arise let god arise Let God arise, let God arise, our God reigns now and forever, 
Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. We believe in a God who is able to bring justice and mercy to all. And he promises strength for the journey to the steadfast to answer the call. Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. We believe in the truth of the Bible, in its power and purpose today. There is meaning and life in its pages. We believe and we choose to obey. You know what, church? Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. We believe that he's calling his people to embody his story of grace. Bringing rescue and hope to the broken. May our lives be an offering of praise. Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Let us be faithful. We still believe, let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Let us be faithful, let us be faithful. Though we cannot see, we still believe, let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Dear God, we thank you for this uh, beautiful day and, and for the abundant rain and, and snow you gave us this, this winter and to end our drought. And we thank you for the, now the beautiful wildflowers we, we see in the green hills. Dear God, be with, be with Jacob as he delivers the sermon, the message this morning and with the congregation as we as we listen and help us listen and receive the message. In Jesus' name, amen. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid. Anywhere 
I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over dreariest ways, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. I can safely go anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free, ready as he summons me to go or stay, anywhere with Jesus when he points the way. Sing out, church. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep when the darkening shadows round about me creep, knowing I shall wake and nevermore to roam. Anywhere with Jesus will be home, sweet home. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Be still and Good morning. For those of you that don't know us, we are the Gibson family. I'm Ryan, this is my wife Sarah, and our children Piper and Aria. So we are gonna share your, our communion thought today. Every night at dinner time, we sit down as a family, and before eating, Aria is the one that leads the, our prayer, and she pretty much says the same thing every night, and she's gonna share it with you now. Dear God, thank you for the food, thank you for dying on the cross to save our sins, thank you for everyone, everything, in Jesus' name, amen. 
This prayer serves as our family reminder daily for the earthly blessings that we have. Um, but more importantly, it serves as our family reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and the gift of salvation that we have because of his sacrifice. So as people, it's hard for us to understand why someone would make that sacrifice for us, especially since we're all selfish and imperfect. But despite that, God feels a certain way about us. Piper, how does God feel about us? Uh, one more. Piper, how does God feel about us? Okay, of course. She, she did say it the first time, but she said he loves us. So the Bible has several verses that explain this love, this sacrifice, and what it means for our relationship with God. Here are two of them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then Romans 5, 6 through 11. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Let us pray as we remember the sacrifice and rejoice in this new relationship that is made possible because of it. Lord, thank you for the love you have for us. Thank you for the, despite the fact that we're imperfect, that love never fades, that love never wanes, it never goes away. The sacrifice you made is a show of that love that you have for all of us because you want us to have a relationship with you. You want us to be close with you. You are willing to do whatever you can to make that happen. In Jesus' name, amen. In addition to this love that God showed us, he's also blessed us in many ways. He has given us all homes and all these beautiful things that he has given us to share with the world. So now is the time that we are called to share some of those blessings he's given us. And these blessings that we have that we share, they're used to further God's work and help others beyond just ourselves. If it wasn't for these blessings that we have, we wouldn't have things like children's ministry that allows our children to learn and share God with you and with everyone else. So this is the time when we're called to give. So if you'll pray with me one more time. Lord, thank you for all the blessings you've given us. We ask that you take what you've given us that we give back and just multiply it and use it to do your work and however you see fit. Whatever we give, you can take and you can make so much more of it. In your holy name, amen. Thank you, Gibson family, for leading our thoughts around the communion table. I really appreciate that. 
At this time, we want to go ahead and dismiss our children, ages 4 through 5th grade, to head over to the Family Life Center for kids' worship, ages 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Even if you're on the border and you're like, they look like they're having more fun over there than in here. You can sneak over. It's okay. I won't have my feelings hurt. It's fine. Thank you to our children's ministry leaders and volunteers who teach those classes, who love our kids, help them learn about Jesus. If you have a child that's under the age of three, you can take them over to the nursery as well for also uh, age-appropriate Bible lessons and songs for kids uh, and a lot of good playtime over in our nursery that's located right across from the bathrooms in this building. Great to see you all here this morning. My name is Jacob. I'm the preaching minister, so uh, I will preach a message from our sermon series we've been doing, Exodus, The Journey to Freedom. I want to say, Michelle Brecht, it is wonderful to see you in person with us. Special shout out to Michelle. You've been joining us online for a long time. It's great to see you here. Uh, likewise, George and Jean Oriol, it's great to see you, you all and your family here. We love you guys. And everybody else too, but I'm not going to call out everybody uh, personally this morning. Uh, speaking of the Gibsons leading on the communion table, a couple of weeks ago I invited the congregation to be one of our communion table leaders. We know that there's a lot of people who have some thoughts about Jesus that would really bless and benefit the congregation. But we also know a lot of people are not comfortable being up on stage or wearing a microphone and, you know, that's not for you. If that's the case, we would still love to have you think about communion, to design something that can help guide the congregation into a meditation about Jesus during the time when we take the Lord's Supper each week. And so uh, I came up with a plan to have you write out a communion thought and somebody can read it on your behalf. And you can even be anonymous if you like. We won't say, hey, so-and-so wrote this and now you're going to listen to it. It's just uh, we want to multiply the voices that we hear uh, as we gather together as a church. Because let's be honest, you get tired of hearing me after a while. I'm up here a lot. Uh, we would love to hear more from you. So if that's something you're willing to do, there's some instructions, some, some guidance on how to help you get started with that, written on this piece of paper that looks like this, and there's copies of that in the lobby. So grab one of those on the way out for preparing a written communion meditation. Last thing I want to plug before we get to the text in Exodus this week is this Saturday, we're going to head down to Daybreak Camp in Felton, in the beautiful uh, Santa Cruz Mountains. If you want to go and spend a day among the Redwoods, we're going to do that. But there's a Christian camp there that we've been associated with for a lot of years. We send our students there in the summer. They need to help get ready for the summer. So we're going to be washing mattresses and like moving uh, bark, tan bark, and they're just going to put us to work. It's a work day down in Felton. And if you'd like to be a part of that, come and talk to me. I'm going, Kelly's going, Brittany's going, several other people. But if that sounds like a great way to spend your Saturday, then uh, put that on your calendar. I'll give you more information. But uh, meet here at 7.30 a.m. a.m. on a Saturday. Or meet down there uh, at Daybreak Camp if you know where it is. We're going to start at 9. We're going to go until about 3 or 4. So uh, that sounds great. Come and talk to me. I'm looking forward to that. That's this coming Saturday. Uh, I feel like I had a lot of coffee talking fast. Let me just take a moment to take a deep breath. I want to enjoy, invite you to join me in taking a deep breath. Lord God, as we go into your word, I pray that you prepare us to receive whatever it is you would have us know. It might be something that we expect from a text like the story of the Exodus. It may be something that we already know that we've just been neglecting. It may be a total surprise. But God, we come in worship this morning as your people saying, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have your way in our lives. Use us for your purposes or put us on the bench. Take us out of the game for your purposes. But may you receive glory in our lives. And during this time of study, we just pray that you will reveal to us what you would have us know to go into this week to live lives that are faithful to you and that reflect the heart and the love of Jesus Christ. I ask this in his name. Amen. The Bible can be quite funny at times. I don't know if you know this, but uh, there's some funny moments 
in Scripture. There's some times when people say things that are actually quite snarky. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of sarcasm as a form of comedy, but sometimes somebody kind of claps back with a comment and you go, whoa, that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I wanted to begin this morning with what I think are the top three snarkiest comments in all of Scripture, in no particular order. One comes from John chapter 9. This is a story about Jesus healing a blind man and the Pharisees, his Jesus' opponents, they are mad and they're interrogating everybody. They're trying to explain it. They don't want Jesus to get any glory for this. So they keep grilling this guy and his parents and, and they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And the blind man said this, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? They were so mad when he said that. Because of course they don't want to be his disciples. They're trying to get rid of Jesus. But that's such a great line. Full marks for snark on that one. The second one comes from 1 Kings chapter 18. There's this contest between God's prophet Jeremiah and all these pagan prophets. And they go up on the mountain. They said, let's see whose God is the strongest. And they build these wooden altars and they're going to call down fire from heaven. And whoever's God lights up the altars is the most powerful God. So the prophets of Baal, they go first. There's like 400 of them and they're dancing and they're screaming and nothing happens. So they dance more and they scream more and they're going crazy. And Jeremiah is just kind of over here watching and leaning and going, okay, you know. And then he says this, Jim, shout louder. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's uh, deep in thought or busy or traveling. Hey, maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. That is gold right there. They're all tired. They give up. And he goes, hey, Yahweh, uh, come light up this fire. <laughs> awesome story about the power of God. But I would say the snarkiest comment of all throughout all of Scripture happens to be what the Israelites say to Moses after they're finally released from slavery in Egypt. Pharaoh and his armies are pursuing them with their chariots, and the Israelites reach the Red Sea. They are trapped, and they panic, and they say this to Moses. It's tragic, and it's scary in the, in the moment, but this, this line is hilarious. They say, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? And again, full marks for sarcasm to those guys. But you hear this situation, you can probably understand. The people have been through a lot. And this is where we're at in the story of the Exodus. The Israelites, all they've ever known is a life of slavery. They have just witnessed the incredible power of God demonstrated through these devastating ten plagues in Egypt. And now they're suddenly told to get up, leave. Leave the only home that you've known. Go where? Go to an unknown place. You have to trust Yahweh, the God of Moses. It takes a lot of trust. We can relate to this. We can put ourselves in their shoes and understand why they're sarcastic, why they're angry, why they're scared, why they're snarky. If we are in a situation where we're required to do something different or that's outside of our usual routine, we get a little bit scared too. Naturally, fear is the thing that kicks in. Modern psychology tells us that when people are stressed or under pressure or when they get triggered, they typically have one of two reactions. Fight or flight. You've heard this too. When someone you're close to, think about it, when you're in a relationship with somebody and they're really, really mad about something, maybe you know what it is, maybe you don't know what it is, chances are they're either going to get really quiet, flight, or they're going to get really loud, fight. That's typically the reactions that you'll get when there's stress in a relationship. They might shout things like, it's all your fault. I hope you're happy. Or this always happens whenever I trust you. Comments aren't very nice. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a good habit to, uh, to continue on down this path. But I am saying it's understandable. Your body, your brain, your whole self is panicking and screaming out this one question. Am I safe? The Israelites were trapped in the wilderness. The sea in front of them, the chariots behind them, no place to go. Flight or fight. Flight got them to this point. It didn't seem to help. So now they're mad. They are terrified. 
And the question lingers, can we really trust God with our lives in unpredictable circumstances? And if we do, will we be safe? And as you'll see, as we read the text together, the story will unfold. You get another demonstration of God's power. In the passage we're about to read, it's going to become clear that God is making a way for his people. He will shelter them, he will provide for them, and he is asking them again and again, will you trust me? So listen as I read this section. It's kind of a long section, so stick with me, but it tells the story of what happened at the Red Sea with God, Moses, and the Israelites. I want you to pay attention to all that God does. There's a lot of God's divine action taking place here. Exodus 14, starting in verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. And they said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go. We've lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptian, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, they pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Hacherot, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. There were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were, say this next word with me, terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, here's that gem. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt? that you brought us to the desert to die? Why have you done this to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They're panicked. They're scared. Did you know that when people train lifeguards to do a water rescue, they warn them that the most dangerous element, the most dangerous factor that you have to watch out for in a water rescue is the person that you're rescuing. They say, go out of your way to not make contact with the person. If you can throw them a life preserver, do that. If you can throw them a rope, if you can like pull them in with a pole, like, hey, bring them in here, get them closer, do that first. Because if you get close to somebody who is drowning, who is flailing, who is scared, who is panicking, what might happen? Yeah. They might pull you down with them. You make put your hand to the face. You're like, calm down, sir. Calm down, sir. Calm down, sir. Did you know that when they used to, they don't do this anymore, but when they used to train lifeguards, they would teach them how to give a knockout punch to a drowning person, <laughs> if necessary, just to get them to stop freaking out. Because if they grab onto you, if they bear hug you, then you're both going to go down and no one gets rescued. <laughs> A cooperative, still, victim is much easier to save than someone who is doing their panicky best to save themselves. And back to Exodus. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night... The cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Hmm, interesting, little hedge of protection there. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud and the Egyptian army at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Israelites said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. 
And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back to cover the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Uh, not one of them survived. That's the story. Together, God and Moses part the waters of the Red Sea, provide a way for Israel to flee their enemies, and then together, God and Moses close the sea again. And that's how they got by. I say that God and Moses did this together, but you can tell from the story. Who did most of the work? Yeah, I think God did more than Moses. Uh, if we're keeping score here, it kind of reminds me of those old Shake and Bake commercials from back in the day. Nod your head if you're familiar with Shake and Bake. Uh, before it was a Ricky Bobby thing, Shake and Bake was this product that you would use to make delicious fried chicken. Although it's not fried chicken, it was actually Shake and Bake. And that was the commercial. The little girl helping her grandma. Uh, yeah, look at that. Cute little girl. Helping her grandma make the Shake and Bake. They put it on the table and the dad's like, this is great fried chicken. And the little girl says, it's not fried, it's Shake and Bake. And I helped. She's so proud of having helped make the chicken. But let's be honest, uh, the little girl, she kind of, if you watch the commercial, she shook the chicken in the bag and got the, the breading on it. She did help, but that's pretty much all she did. Uh, the grandma is probably the one who raised the chickens and slaughtered the chickens and cleaned the chicken and plucked the chicken and pre prepared the meat and stored it and went to the store and bought the shake and bake and put it in the bag and then handed it to the, the little girl. The little girl did her part handed it back. The grandma then baked the chicken and cooked the rest of the meal and set the table, and here we are. But I helped. Yeah, you helped, but you didn't really do most of it. I think in the same way, Moses helped, but he didn't do all that much. What did Moses do? Stretched out his hand. And that's something. God did the rest. What did the Israelites do? They walked out to the space that God created for them. They had to do that part, but really God did the rest. I'm reminded of the salvation that we have in Christ. The same is true. Jesus did all of the heavy lifting. He lived the perfect life. He went to the cross. He conquered sin and death. He was raised to life. He did all the hard stuff to secure our salvation. What exactly did we do? Kind of like Moses. We just kind of reached out our hands. Romans 6.23 says that salvation is a gift. Wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we, we just reached it out and we received the gift. We said yes to believing and following and trusting Jesus. Not much. But it can be a hard thing to do. Because like the Israelites at the Red Sea, the cross of Jesus does not necessarily look like the way that leads to life. In fact, it looks a lot like the way that leads to death. Jesus' disciples throughout his ministry could not wrap their heads around the kingdom of God that Jesus was describing. A kingdom of God whose leader is going to lay down his life, who's going to sacrifice himself and die a shameful death. They're like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. That does not compute. The Messiah can't die on a cross. But they didn't change Jesus' mind. He knew what he was talking about. He continued to say, the way up is the way down. The first or last, the last or first in the kingdom of God. If you want to gain your life, you have to lay it down. You have to lose it. In fact, the way of life is the way of death. So who's with me? And they were kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Their prayer is like our prayer sometimes. When you hear something that's really hard and you're like, ah, I don't think I can do that. I need some help with that. They say, uh, increase our faith. Increase our faith, Lord. Teach us to trust you more. That's something that we can relate to as well. Increase our faith, Lord. I want to want what you want, but I don't want it yet. But let's not forget, we still have a role to play. God does most of the stuff, but we still need 
to show up. Moses still held out his hand. The Israelites still walked across. The little girl still shook the chicken bag. It's not nothing. And I think God wants us to be involved in his plan. We still do something, but we have this reminder that comes from this passage too. You only need to be still. And remember that I'm doing a lot more than you're doing, but you're still doing something. I don't think that you should only be still should be taken literally. You might have noticed. It's a little strange to say, just hold still. And in the very next verse, God says, tell him to move on. Okay, so hold still is not freeze, be a statue, do nothing. It's remember that I'm with you. Remember what I'm doing. And then when I call you to move, move. Stretch out your hand. Move across the water. Get up and go. But sometimes we live our lives in a way that gets those ratios reversed. We think that we're doing the majority of things, and God, if you're not too busy, we'd love for you to show up and hail. You can hail in my life. But that's backwards. Sometimes we pray prayers that we think are very trusting of God, but it's more of just an extension of our needing to control things. God, I really want you to do this, and then you have to do this, and make sure you do this, and then one, and then two, and then three, in this order, and if, yeah, this is how it's going to be. That's not trust. That's a death grip on control in our lives, and God's saying, well, the lesson is we need to learn to be still. Trust that I'm leading you. Yeah, but God, I don't want you to lead me to the Red Sea, because that is terrifying. That can't be where you're leading me. Well, what if he says, that is where we're going. We're going to the Red Sea. Trust me. We're going to the cross. But trust me. I've got you. We don't like that. Our response can become, are you crazy? That's never going to work. God, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Why did you drag us all the way out here to the desert? We know what it means to get snarky, to get fighty, reactionary when we get threatened. And even as we're studying a book like Exodus and we're hearing this ancient testimony of God's faithfulness, we sometimes find ourselves with that controlling attitude when we study it. Because we, we say things like, where exactly did they cross the Red Sea? Because I'm looking at these maps and I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Or how exactly did the waters in one night go like this and then the dry? I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Or, or we can go and take a positive tack and say, you know, the Nile Delta, there's some weird tides that are happening there, and they've studied this, and you can see this even today. So I suppose that could have, you know, maybe possibly been something that actually happened, where you go to the ten plagues and you say, okay, yeah, if the, the bloody water, then the frogs would have jumped out, so that makes sense. And then if the frogs all died, then the flies would have, yeah, okay, this is making sense in my world, in my understanding of things without God. And again, doing that, wanting to have that much control, satisfaction, is understandable. But I bet if you ask any of the Israelites who crossed the Red Sea to say, how did it happen? They might say, I don't think I could tell you exactly how it happened, but I am a witness of the fact that it happened. That God was faithful. I got from here to there, and I'm glad that I did. And I'm praising God because of that. Kind of the same thing that the man that Jesus healed in John 9, the blind man, when they interrogated him. They finally said, all right, explain yourself. Because Jesus did something crazy. We think he's a sinner. It can't be from God. It can't be a good thing. So you need to give us a good explanation. And the man simply doesn't have a good explanation that satisfies the critics. He tells them, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind. Now I see. That's my experience of encountering the living God. And in our lives, when we don't have enough information, when it's hard to trust in a God we can't see and touch, when the way of life looks like the way of death, we get scared. When it's hard to be still, when it seems like if I don't do something, then nothing is going to happen. I guess I have to be the one to make all this fried chicken myself. You ever feel like that? Well, first of all, it's not fried, it's shake and bake. And secondly, you're not the one making it. You just have it. We need to learn to be okay with that. We need to let God be God. 
I think one of the best pieces of advice that a busy, anxious, and overburdened culture can hear are these words from right in the middle of this text that we heard today. Moses reminder, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What does that look like in our lives? For some of us, trusting God and being still means allowing yourself to become less self-reliant. It means depending on others, becoming more connected with the people in your community. Maybe some of the people in this room, the people of our church. It might mean stop self-medicating so much with harmful substances or attitudes or habits. It might mean stop making so many reactionary, fear-based decisions or trying to control everything and everyone in your life. For some of us, it might mean starting something that you're not doing. For some of us, it might mean stopping something that you shouldn't have started doing in the first place. But at its core, I think it's some way of living your life like you actually depend on God, getting those ratios right. I'm going to give us practice doing this as I close out this morning. Jesus prioritized silent prayer, times of stillness in the presence of God the Father. And I think we need to practice this more. I think that's something we resist. And I've talked about this before. This isn't a newsflash. But my guess is if I said, all right, next Sunday, here's what we're going to do. We're going to show up, 1045, for 75 minutes. We are going to sit in silence and stillness in the presence of God, and that's it. That's our plan for next Sunday. I bet some of you would not come. I bet you'd go somewhere else and say, well, yeah, I mean, we could do that. I could do that on my own. I, but I like the songs. I like the message. I like uh, what I'm used to. We're not going to do that. I was this close. I'm tempted to do that. Mm, maybe one of these days we'll do that. My point is we need practice letting God be God and putting ourselves uh, in his presence and saying, all right, God, you're God, even when I'm not helping, even when I do nothing. So instead, we're going to sit in silence and stillness for four minutes this morning. And not exactly silence. I'm going to play a song. The song's called By Your Side by a group called 10th Avenue North. You might have heard it before, but it's a good, appropriate song to end this message with. Because in the song, you're kind of, it's the story sort of told from the perspective of Jesus. We have Jesus, who is our rescuer, who says to us, the drowning, the flailing, the anxious, he's saying, trust me. I want you to trust me with your life. Trust that I am here, trust that I'm at work, and that I have done, and I am doing way more than you are. You just need to be still. So let's listen to this song together. Uh, we're in the presence of God. We're going to open ourselves up during this time to anything specific or even general that God might want to bring to our attention. And hopefully, what we hear, that God brings, sometimes God just floats ideas across your mind. He'll put the name of someone on your heart and go like, yeah, I need to check in with that person. Draw something to your attention and go, oh, yeah, that is how I'm kind of holding on to things a little too tight. Be open to that during this time. Again, let's, uh, let's close the way we started. Join me in taking a deep breath. <sighs> Find a comfortable posture to sit in your chair. Take another deep breath uh, and just sit and listen to the words of this song.
Good morning, church. It's an honor and a privilege to be up here with you guys. I have the prayers for all of us, prayers for the people. This is a little hot. The mic, mic is a little hot, Gabe. Can you turn me down a bit? And I've got a number of requests, a number of things that people want to have prayed about. And I'm going to share those with you, and then we're going to pray <clears throat> for all these requests. But we're also going to remember some of the things Jacob's been teaching us. God, who does all the work. Us bringing our request to him in a faithful way to recognize he is God. And while it might not feel like he's got this, he's got this. Thank you to all the people online who are attending. We are so glad to have you. Uh, I wanted to first of all say thanks for prayers for me. Uh, some of you may have noticed my little beauty scar down here. It's still got the tape on it. Uh, got through my surgery, continuing to heal. Hopefully my voice holds up through this part. We'll see. Uh, we also want to pray for Wade and Sylvia Skinner. Sylvia's continuing her treatments, and Sylvia's mother's surgery is tomorrow, I believe, right? So let's pray that that all goes well. We want to keep remembering Phil's parents. His mom uh, is going to be in a re rehabilitation center for perhaps another month. So please pray for her recovery and for uh, Phil's dad's ability to take care of himself and her. That's a challenge. For my wife... Her mom, Brenda Crow, had knee replacement surgery, has been home since Thursday, but she's still struggling with a lot of pain. It's tough to manage, so please keep praying for her healing and so that she can feel that comfort, God's presence. For uh, Sandra's brother, Richie Watkins, he's now sleeping 22 out of 24 hours a day. He's got some extreme stress on his body from his liver that appears to be failing. So that's a challenge in and of itself, of course. But even greater challenge is the fact that he is having some resistance to his disability paperwork. His doctor's not filing things. So they're having this money gap, which <laughs> we in the Grandel family know how that works with medical bills. Medical bills are expensive. And uh, he's not getting some of the help he needs, so please pray for that. Please continue to pray for Billy Hunt and his recovery and for Rosemary after her recent fall. Please continue to pray for Kathy Goldstein's friend, Deborah and Bill. Uh, Bill was to have surgery this past week for a malignant tumor. And of course, Jan and Al continue to pray for them in this really difficult season. And Jan asks that we contact her before visiting Al directly at his care facility. And pray also for those who have lost loved ones, right? There have been a lot of those. And uh, 
those of us who are left behind can sometimes really suffer. We got a prayer request also for the Spinkas. Uh, Joseph has two stress fractures in his left leg. So please pray for healing of that and uh, if they can find and correct any underlying issues that may be making him susceptible to these fractures. You may remember that he had one in the other leg a year ago, which has been healed. And we pray, we also want to pray for uh, Laura Ranieri. I think she was out uh, last month with her dog. He yanked on the leash and broke the left middle finger. So pray that that will heal quickly. Like I said earlier, all, our prayers can often focus on our needs, right? Our fears and our abilities or lack of abilities <laughs> rather than on God's love. His amazing and trustworthy power. God is God. We are not. He does have some things for us to do, but most of all, we want to trust him, rely on him, knowing he has our best interests at heart. So let's pray together. Father God, first we want to praise you. We want to lift you up and say you are mighty. You are powerful. You do so much. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your healing mercies. We thank you for caring so much about us. Lord, all these situations that we just talked about, we need you. We need you. More than we can ask or imagine, Lord, we need you to come into these situations and help us. Help us release our fears, release our anxieties, and lean into you and your love and your strength. Help guide our decisions, Lord, so we can make choices that are in your will for us. And Lord, sometimes what we really need is endurance. To stay the course through a difficult time. To persevere, Lord. To continue to do good. Because we know that in the end, in the end you will be there. And you will show us that you've been with us all along. When we face trials, give us greater faith. Help us to trust you. Bring us closer to you, and bring us closer to each other, Lord, also, through our struggles and through our blessings. Help us be still and know you are God. It's in love, Lord. It's in, in hope. It's in trust that we lift all these things to you. We hold them up to you, knowing that you care about all of our concerns even more deeply than we do that you love the people who we're concerned about even more than we do, and that you are there working your wondrous power in all these situations. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. I want to leave you guys with the scripture today in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5-6. through six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek him and his will in all you do. He will show you which path to take.